Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella, so go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is episode number 192. The football teams from the state of Tennessee getting destroyed on the road of Sodes. Ooh, bittersweet weekend for you, though. Uh, yes, there was. In fact, I am rare in that case for most Titans fans that I did have a little sweetness um, this weekend. <laughs> and I do believe any uh, fans who consistently wear orange on the weekends know exactly what I am referring to. Um, not just a win on Saturday, but some might call it. And look, I'm not saying I call it this, but some might call it domination. Mm, be careful. You're not pandering to the Vols, Austin. We, we I need know to, I'm not pandering. We, we look, have to grow I, the it, fan base, grow the podcast. Sure, sure. I need I do to need to pander to Vols to fans. Look, uh I I guess if it, it, I mean look at it, look at the uh bright side. At least you got to score that uh extra touchdown with under a minute um late in the game last year when uh running up the score of Vols fans. You know, that that accounted for a lot. That did a lot of good things for the football program. Um, worst loss in the Josh Heupel era, too. I should point that out. You're um, smiling as you're talking. This is not. I, hey, look. If, if it's any, if it's any consolation prize, Josh Dobbs is absolutely hooping out here. I yes, yes, yeah. You know what? And that, look, I do not want to be that guy. I don't want to piss off Vols fans um, because there are a lot of Vols fans that listen to this and podcast, and I. I do love you guys and I appreciate you guys. And you, you are a fashion, a passionate uh, fan base and you bring a lot of that passion with you on Sundays, which I genuinely appreciate. Um, so I do not, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to um, rub you the wrong way. I don't mean to, to, to rub it in even. Um, I don't mean to run up the score on you. Okay. Uh, what I do mean to do is to just reference that, look, it was a tough weekend on the road for football teams from Tennessee uh, this weekend. Uh, the two-tone blue, not excluded from that. In fact, probably primarily. In fact, look, Tennessee scored, uh, the, the Vols scored more points than the Titans on over the weekend. Which I mean, is, which one is more usually, point, that's but usually it was, a common it was occurrence. More. Yeah, that's usually pretty common, right? The Vols outscoring the Titans, but it's a good point. It was a a bad weekend for the state of Tennessee. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, it's Missouri's having a legendary run. I'm going to let you enjoy it. You look like you're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. So I'll let you dance on some. Look, I'm not going to count my chickens before they have. I'm look, I'm not a Tennessee fan from last year. I'm not going to count my chickens before they have. They still have to beat of a pretty bad Florida team and a pretty bad uh, Arkansas team. Um, But 
it was it was a uh it was nice that the the Titans um followed up that uh stinker of a game on Saturday with a stinker of their own on Sunday. We're going to get into all of that um with our guy Easton Freeze. Uh primarily I have a really good uh discussion with him about Mike Vrabel. Before we get into it though, we got to get a word from our friends at Relax the Back. The Relax the Back team sets out every day to help people in the national area work better, live better, and feel better. If you're like me and you struggle with insomnia and posture issues, you got low back pain, your neck gets tight every now and then when you sleep wrong on it, go to Relax the Back. They've got a variety of chairs that combat neck and back pain. They've got a massage chair, zero gravity chair, the most comfortable office chairs that do not compromise your posture. You're going to be sitting up, your back's going to feel better for a long period of time because you're working on your posture while feeling comfortable in a relaxed back chair. But don't stop there. They've also got sleep technology such as Technogel and Tipperpedic pillows and mattresses. Those things are going to help you maximize your sleep every night. Go check it out in the showroom, by the way. It's located in 2020 Glenico Road in Nashville, Tennessee, right over there in Green Hills next to Hillsborough High School. Go lay on all the beds. Go lay on all the pillows. They let me do it. Go, go sit in all the chairs. Go get, your, go, go get you a free massage if you stop in. Sit in one of those massage chairs. It's a great gift. I know Christmas is coming around the corner. It's a great gift for a loved one or a relative um, or a significant other. So go check them out. If you don't live in Middle Tennessee, don't worry about it. Don't worry about anything. You can visit them online at stores.relaxtheback.com slash Nashville and start feeling better today. When you go in, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. And with all that said, let's talk Titan. It's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm sucking cold prison, and time keeps dragging on. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome to the Titan Up Podcast. Today is November 15th, 2023, and while I am a fan of the Tennessee Titans, I am also a fan of other fine arts. For example, I thoroughly enjoy the music of the British indie pop band Bastille, uh, who just recently celebrated the 10-year anniversary of their first studio album, Bad Blood, by releasing a special edition of the album, including an incredible version of their um, hit song, Pompeii, uh, which they collaborated on with legendary film composer Hans Zimmer. It's it's truly beautiful. Uh, if you get a chance to listen to it, I highly suggest it because while I was listening to it the other day, I realized just how fitting those lyrics of that song are for this Titan season. So if you'll entertain me for a bit, um, if you'll allow me to indulge. Uh, here is the lyrics to Bastille. But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like you've been here before? Mm. How am I going to be an optimist about this? How am I going to be an optimist about this? Preach. If, if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? 
I didn't know you were going straight to the chorus. Wow. That, I mean, <laughs> that is that is powerful. That is spot on. That is depressing. All rolled into one. I I listened to that the other day and I was like, I am listening to a description from like I I, I don't know if Dan from Bastille is a Titans fan, but from those lyrics, it might be. And that song came out in 2013. Another dark era for Titans football. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that that song existed. That's a banger. It that's is a banger. That's what, that's it what really the young is. folks you call it. You got to hear the version with Hans Zimmer. Oh, it's so powerful. It is so powerful. Unlike this offensive line for your Tennessee Titans. Jack, oh, those I, it just feels like we're living in Groundhog's Day. And I mean that on a sense of both week to week, but now also year to year because let me take you back to the end of the 2022 campaign. Titans are seven and three. And what do they do? They managed to lose their next seven games. That's almost two full months of losing. And then you continue into 2023 where, you know, you have an entire off season to strengthen your coaching staff, to strengthen your personnel. And yet here we are with a lot of the same issues as last year in offense that has trouble scoring even worse than last year. Uh, somehow this scoring offense is down last year. I, I remember the big thing was like, can the Titans score more than 17 points? Now it's can the Titans score? <laughs> There's been three games this season where they have failed to make it into the end zone. All right. So the scoring is down. Offense is struggling. Your offensive line is abysmal. Getting your quarterbacks absolutely kicked the shit out of. And then on top of that, it is uh, you, you've got like a new problem this year with a defense that should be better than they are. All of a sudden, forgot how to stop the run. And to me, it's like, where are these problems coming from? And a lot of people, look, a lot of people don't want to blame Mike Vrabel because Mike Vrabel is a good coach or so we're told. <laughs> but to me, a good coach would not have a historic collapse at the end of the 2022 campaign. If you want to chalk that up as John Robinson's problem, that's fine. Why is that problem persisting now when you got a new GM, when you got an entire new, you, you brought in new personnel, you, you signed some offensive line free agents and dr even drafted a few. And yet the problem's worse than it was last year. And now you're getting new problems arising that should be even more fall more on the burden of Mike Vrabel with this defense, just suddenly not performing anymore. Like his role is head coach. My question is, where is the coaching? Yeah, you bring up a, a bunch of good points. I, I, I want to start here with a 3-13 and 13 in their last 16 because there's only Awful. one team in the NFL with a worst record or a worse record in their last 16 games, and that's the Arizona Cardinals at 2-14. and 14. And guess what? Kyler Murray just came back, and I bet you I would be willing to take you to the, to the window and bet you that the Cardinals finish with a better record than the Titans this season. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Kyler Murray missed, 
I think all but one of those uh, 16 games. And so they're, they were two and 14 without their starting quarterback. But you're, I think you make a great point, Jack. And, and as far as the defense goes, I, like I understand they're deficient in a lot of areas and it, it feels like one week they'll stop the run. And then the next week, you know, it, it's the secondary that somehow steps up, but they never do it at the same time. Right. It's not complimentary defensive football. But I will say this on behalf of the defense, they've not given up 30 points this season. They have given up 20 points in back-to-back weeks. And while there is absolutely room to improve and, you know, there's plenty of reason for them to be better, a lot of teams in the NFL can win if they hold their opponent to 20 points. The Titans just do not fall in that category. That's a great point. That's a great point. And it's not like this offense is inept because that's what the way it felt last year. It felt this, uh, the offense was just inept and the play calling was not there. And the scheming was not there that you were not getting any separation for your wide receivers. That has seemed to change. Uh, Deandre Hopkins is a big help in all of that, but that has seemed to change. However, this team is worse, significantly worse when you enter the red zone. And when you look, any team with Derrick Henry on in your backfield, it feels problematic that you can't score inside your opponent's 20 yard line. But the Titans are there right now. They have dropped from over 60 percent, which was sixth best in the NFL last year in red zone scoring to now the second worst in the league to like around 30 percent. Like that, like yeah. one out of three trips to the red zone, you're scoring a touchdown. That is, that's, if you put Alabama offense, like, you know, like not to go the old sports talk radio trope, but to me, it feels like you could put an Alabama football team, like a college football team, a Georgia even, up against the NFL teams that the Titans are playing, and they could probably do a little bit more than what the Titans are doing. I'm not saying they would beat, the teams because I I don't think a college team will ever be able to beat a call a pro no. team. I know this is the famous sports talk radio debate. It's like what you argue in the middle of the summer when you know only baseball is on. But I do feel like those college teams could probably perform better, at least offensively, against NFL talent than the Titans are doing right now. Yeah, and since Levis has taken over, the Titans are, uh, I believe this is right, 14 of 43 on third downs. That's just 32.5%. That's not good enough. But I think the problem is a little bit deeper than that. I think that it's multifaceted. The offensive line is an issue. We know that. But I think that there's still, and we talked about taking the training wheels off last week with Levis. Yeah. I still don't feel like they did that. But at the same time, I'm not going to blame him because what do you want him to do? You want him to throw deep balls down the field? Well, how is he going to do that when he's being hit 10 times every game? He's been hit 32 times in three games. He's been sacked 10 times in three starts. Like, I I want Levis to to be able to cook. That was our whole so title. Yeah. He doesn't have time to cook. I mean, the the guy's got 30 seconds, and all there is is a microwave in front of him. He's just got to heat it up. Like, he doesn't have time to cook. And – the last thing, my, my final point, the season is a wash, right? The season is over. In my eyes, there's no chance for the playoffs. I think you'd agree with me, barring some absolute miracle. But I only care about seeing Will Levis develop for the remainder of the season. And Austin, if you can't throw, you can't yeah. grow, 
Right now, yeah. Will Levis is unable to throw the football because there are defensive linemen breathing down his neck every time he steps back to pass. And there was a great stat that was put out there, and I'll, I'll pull it up. Mike Kennedy notes that Will Levis was 3 of 15 for 40 yards with three turnover-worthy plays while he was under pressure against the Bucks, He had a 25.7 passing grade, and that was dead last in the NFL. He's a rookie, so you can't expect him to dial up or you know, dice up the defense while there's while pressure is being brought. Yeah. We know this Titans offensive line can't even block four guys, right? So Will Levis has his work cut out for him, and it's hard to learn on the fly with all of this. Now it is – I tried to do this uh, – so I was in Athens this weekend for the Ole Miss game, and they got killed. But on the way back up, I was like, I was thinking after watching the Titans games, I was like, okay, is there a positive I can take away from Will Levis's game today? Like, he did not play well. He did not complete a lot of his passes. He didn't really have time to make good decisions. But you know what? At least he saw the worst of the worst when it comes to being pressured in the NFL as a quarterback. Like, at least he has that to experience. So now maybe he sees it again. And he processes things quicker. And then I'm, yeah. still, I'm still driving and I'm like, how desperate am I for a silver lining that I just came up with that? Will yeah, Levis. Right. Like, 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 but that's all I have because all I care about now is if Will Levis can grow. I don't care if the Titans win or lose. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I always care if the Titans win or lose. But even if the Titans lose, I will still be okay with it if Will Levis can put up a good performance where I'm like, okay, he took a, you know, a baby step here. I, I right, just want to see right. baby steps the rest of the way. But right now, the guys in front of him aren't allowing him to step anywhere. He's having to backpedal. You can't have well, that. And that's the that's the the fear I had of breaking the seal on Will Levis is that he's going to come out, and this team's not going to be ready for him. And, and I mean that in a sense of this team, I don't think can aptly protect him. And and I think this is where a lot of teams struggle with throwing rookie quarterbacks to the wolves so soon. This is why I'm so against rookies playing immediately because a lot of times when you've got a rookie quarterback, it's on a bad team. When you're starting a rookie quarterback, it's on a bad team. That's why you're starting them. And the Titans are a bad team and they're starting Will Levis. And I'm so worried that this franchise is going to break him um and i i know that's not fair here three games into his his career but 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 that's that's my that's my biggest fear is the idea of this guy is going to get into bad habits because he's going to be forced to be put in bad habits because he doesn't have any time i to me that's essentially what happened to marcus Mariota. granted he played with his hair on fire on bad teams early on but I think just like over time you get hit enough and you just start, you you regress and you're, you're not the same player that you are. And I mean, it, what's funny to me is think back to Levis's debut against the Falcons in those beautiful oiler throwbacks. Oh, what a great day that was. I'll remember that day but, for a long time. But even think back to that final touchdown that he threw to Nick Westbrook Akine, which was one oh, of probably his best throws of the day. So hot. What was the shot of Will Levis right after Nick Westbrook caught that pass? It was he was Will laying Levis on the ground, laying on his back. And like, if that wasn't telling of what to expect <laughs> from the Will Levis era, 
I don't know what else is. <laughs> that to me was like, oh yeah, maybe we should have seen uh, the tea leaves there. Maybe we should have uh, seen the writing on the wall that things are not going to be well. And you, in my opinion, I mean, obviously it's kind of hard not to, but he has regressed since that opening game. I, I think the entire t- Titans team has regressed, so it's not. I'm not yeah, squarely. But there's nothing in him. like there's nothing in like Levis's performance that says, "Oh, he's regressed." It's just that like the the, the environment around him is absolutely the environment. The walls are, yes, the walls are caving in, and and both games on the road too. Uh, and the Titans just have, for whatever reason, have not. They haven't won a road game in a calendar year. That to me is, um, I, I I see that, and I'm like, I think this team. It's just trying to, I'm trying to get my, 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 my words right. Like here, but I don't, I don't think that. While you I, think I like know, I, I'm broken, they're, they're giving, well, well, they're giving Will Levis acorns and telling him, Hey, go make lemonade. You can't make yeah. lemonade out of acorns. I mean, Jesus no, Christ. Like, like they, at some point they have to help themselves. And Buck rising wrote a great story about that. You, you hinted at the Mariota thing, how the Titans kind of, you know, he was also running for his life. The, the constant change of offensive coordinators maybe taught him some bad habits. He was really never able to get into a rhythm. Yeah. And there's some yeah. Titans fans that, that don't like Mariota and that are disgusted that we're even talking about this. But Buck Rising wrote a great story that's up on A to Z Sports. And it was the, the title of the article was Titans are going down a dangerous path with QB Will Levis. And he brought it up. Like the Titans have a long standing history of ruining top, you know, highly drafted quarterbacks like Jake Locker yeah. got hurt. Mariota was always hurt. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill w- wasn't drafted by the Titans. You know, they traded, you know, a handful of peanuts for him. But we saw his health. We, we were amazed that Ryan Tannehill was healthy for so long. Now, he did have yeah. great protection. Like, the Titans offensive line used to be amazing. Now, the left tackle position has given up more sacks than, like, football teams around the league have this year. The Titans are fourth having allowed 33 sacks in the NFL, the left tackle position alone has allowed 14 sacks. And this is a stat from West from Broadway. Titans left tackle position has allowed 14 sacks. There are two teams in the NFL who have allowed less sacks than the Titans left tackle position alone, the bills and the chiefs. That's, that's an absolutely damning stat. Yeah. To me, it's just, and it is mind boggling to me. And it's so frustrating to me that it's like, why is nothing being done? Here we are. We say this every week. We know this offensive line is bad. We've known this offensive line was bad dating back to last year. You had an entire offseason to fix it. You didn't over the offseason. And it's like, why Why do I have trust that this team, you know, people say, oh, uh, you know, the Titans need to tank and get uh, one of the top two, you know, left tackles on the draft. Sure. But why do we trust this team? Why do we trust that that's going to solve things. They they went out and got Peter Skronsky in the top 10 of the draft last year. That that clearly did not do much. This offensive offensive line is worse <laughs> this year than it was last. Like Skronsky's the best player I, on the offensive line and he's played what? 8 games uh, in yeah, his entire I'm, career. I'm, I'm just I've lost trust in this franchise. Um uh, a, a franchise that I had all the trust in. I trusted this team to go in on the road and beat anybody. I take it back to uh, just a little over a year ago. Week uh what was it? Um week 7 I think in Kansas City. You have week Malik seven, Willis they, starting a football they, game. Oh yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, and he almost beat him. Uh, and that's the thing. I went into that game very Should confident. Have beat him. 
If it won for a I, phantom hold on Travis Kelsey in the end zone, the Titans win that football game. I, the Titans were the that, better team is, that day. The Titans were most definitely the better team. It took overtime for a very skilled, a much better Chiefs team to knock off the, the Titans last year. I went into that game extremely confident. Now, I mean, like, look, I uh, Titans, uh, Titans schedule. They've got, luckily, they have the Panthers at home in two weeks. Otherwise, I'd be nervous about that game. I just don't trust this team on the road. Uh, and they've got a tough one this week going into Jacksonville. Uh, against a division opponent, the only team in the NFL that scored fewer points than the Titans on Sunday. But I, it, it, to me, it's frustrating. And Jack, Jack, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, Jack, but I, I, oh, I, I no. I've been forced. I've been, my hand has been forced. Okay. I'm officially, I'm officially doing it. We talk a lot on this podcast about the Bunsen burner. Jack, Uh-oh. I'm I'm turning the Bunsen burner on. Okay. Really? Look, early on in the season, we plugged it in and I, I I plugged it in, but I said I'm not turning it on. I'm just plugging it in. Plugged it in. And then, you know, I think they went out and won the next week. And I said, you know what? I'm unplugging it. Take <laughs> that thing out it. of the wall. Yeah. Not only am I plugging it back in, Jack, but I am turning it on. Okay. <laughs> I'm look, and I will never call for anyone's job. I will never say anyone needs to be fired. But I will tell you when someone's seat is hot and that Bunsen burner underneath Mike Vrabel's seat has officially been turned on. And I should point out that um, we did. I did get this tweet earlier this week from uh, Tupper of the Year, Eldon English, who says, uh, sounds like someone has uh, lit a lit the match. But he did say handy reminder for when you go through the analogy on Tighten Up podcast, you light the match before you turn on the gas and bring the match up from the base so your hand isn't in the gas when you set it aflame. And I'm pretty sure Eldon is a teacher, so I think he would know better than us. <laughs> That's actually great information, Eldon. Thank you. I, I've only yeah, I've only yeah. worked with a Bunsen burner once in my life because you know you have those weird chemistry classes in high school that, that yeah. no one passes, and you got a grade on a scale. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I remember from that, but I, I don't remember how the Bunsen burners were turned on. I think the teachers left that out of the children's, re- you know, responsibilities because of the potential disasters, of course, but Eldon's yeah, always, I'll, 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 I'll be honest. When I first started making this analogy a, a couple weeks ago in this season, I, I didn't, I didn't know how to turn on a Bunsen burner clearly. Very so, intricate uh, process. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. Um, but I'll, will say this, the match is lit and it is turned on right now. Which leads me to get to our guy, Easton Freeze. We're going to continue this Mike Vrabel discussion with him coming up next. But before we do that, let's get a word from our friends at BetMGM. Enjoy all of your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code A to Z sports and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odd specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sports books. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. First online real money wager only. Rewards issued is not drawable. Bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Problem game support? Call the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789. And now I've got to eat some grapes. Reach down in my pocket, my wallet mess. 
All right, we're joined now uh, by a guy we absolutely love, a guy who does tremendous uh, work with Broadway sports media and a guy who uh, arguably has a name fit for a superhero, Easton mm. Freeze. <laughs> Too kind. Easton, how are you, man? I'm great, Austin. I'm doing fantastic. So excited to be back on the show. Second time. Yeah. I can now say I'm a, a repeat guest on the, the TUP, so I'm excited to be here, guys. Hey, God, uh, God bless and go Bruins, right? God bless and go Bruins. That's right. Still in the <laughs> they, big Ravenwood rematch this week. Very niche audience will understand what's going on there. Playoff rematch really? this week. Winner goes to the championship. Big deal. Big deal. Wait, wait, wait. This is the, is this the semifinals? That's what I understand. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. It used to be, it used to be the quarterfinals was the week before Thanksgiving, because then you always wanted to, pl you always wanted to practice Oh no! Yeah, I guess that—that's right. No, it's the championship. Yeah, the because you always wanted to practice on Thanksgiving. That was like the big deal. Like right, if you were exactly. practicing on Thanksgiving. You're doing that, something right. That meant yeah, that meant yeah. you were still in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, screw Ravenwood. Uh, so hopefully, <laughs> Ravenswood man, get out of here. Wh what has Van Jefferson ever done in the NFL? You know, well, hey, he, he, he dropped the ball on fourth down. Yeah, he yep. won, he won the game for the Titans. Common Ravenwood yeah. L. From Van we don't talk about it enough, honestly. Um, yeah, so I'm glad to get Easton on mainly just to talk Brown High School Bruins right. football. So, uh, Easton, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Easton, I'm I'm glad you're here. I wanted to start here um, because, well, I do respect the hell out of you, and I think you do tremendous work. Um, you, I I don't always see eye to eye with you, but I okay. But, tell me what I'm wrong it, about then. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I'm not going to say. No, no, no. I want to hear it. I want to say I just think I, I, I disagree, but I disagree with a lot of people. Okay. So that's it's not nothing uh, new. Um, you tweeted um, about Mike Vrabel. And I, I, I honestly, I want to. Yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. start here. I want to okay. start here with you because um, you tweeted uh, on the Mike Vrabel hot seat at the end of the day. It's as simple as this. You just fired your GM for making a mess of your personnel and uh, asset situation, firing your proven head coach for not succeeding with said mess would be very hypocritical and short-sighted. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I don't disagree with basically what you said. Like, I do think, yeah, like you have to give time to kind of write the ship a little mm -hmm. bit. But what I will say is to me personally, and I look, I will never call for someone's job. I will never say this person needs to be fired, but I will call someone out for when they're not doing their job well. Sure. Which I feel like is the case with Mike Vrabel right now um, with with this team. Obviously, we know the numbers three and 13 in their last 16. Uh, the seven game losing streak to end last year, the historical collapse, which I think we don't talk about enough because of the firing of John Robinson. Right. But the the coaching it's also job, just not a fun thing to talk about generally it's i think not that's fun. why it's not people fun. Don't talk about yeah it. but right. but there there's a there's a massive pass being given to the head coach of the tennessee titans for sure. that epic collapse mm -hmm. um and then you write the ship and then you get to bring in the new gm and you uh you get an entire offseason to build on personnel and you're kind of getting more of the same of that second half uh titans last year they that you're getting this year to me, I feel like while I do agree with you, you know, you do deserve some time to kind of write the ship. I feel like 16 games is a pretty big sample size of with an offseason in the middle of it mm -hmm. to say whatever he's doing, it's not working. 
And I feel like we do need to kind of keep a, uh, a a harsher lens on Mike Vrabel. But obviously, I wanted you to kind of expound on your thoughts from your tweet. Absolutely. So let's take this in two directions. One, I want to start by saying something that's very critical to this point, and it's going to go directly in one ear and out the other of most everybody listening. So it's pointless for me to bring it up, but I'm going to say it anyways because I, I need to. The other thing is... Um, let's take this to its logical conclusion, right? Like this idea that Vrabel shouldn't be punished with losing his job for the job that he's done. At what point it then becomes the question, is he responsible for the product? At what point do you, do you, do you get to that point where it's like, yeah, okay, you've got to fire him. So let's, let's talk about those two things. The first thing that again, no one's going to listen to, but is very important. Um, it, it, as is the case with anything in life. And I'm very, as you can tell, I'm very old and wise, I'm a wise old sage. So take this advice mm-hmm. to heart, all of you. <laughs> yeah, um, I forgot to mention that off the top. Right. Uh, let, yeah. um, wise let, old tw- sage, Easton Freeze. newly 24-year-old wise old sage, Easton <laughs> Freeze, inform you on a little life lesson here. Nothing in life is is ever even close to black and white. Very, very, very few things right. are the exception to that rule. Uh, and Twitter so, will try and tell you otherwise, but oh, you're they, right. You're, they, there's, they, there's a lot of their gray. favorite thing to do. And so that's why I'm saying like it's going to go in one ear and out the other of everybody because that's the age that we live in. That's the those are our times. Um, But it is important to point out that while I wholeheartedly believe what I said in that tweet that has gotten a lot of run, it doesn't excuse Mike Vrabel of any fault. Like there's a blame pie here and different folks, different groups, different people have different amounts of responsibility for what's going on. So in me saying that Mike Vrabel shouldn't be fired, it would be short-sighted and hypocritical and all of these things. That is true. It's also true that he's not blameless for some of the issues this team is dealing with right now. And it's not even to say that he's doing a good job coaching. You absolutely can make the case, which it sounds like you kind of were, Austin, that he's what he's doing isn't working very well right now. Those two things can coexist. In fact, I think they do coexist. So let's let's take this to point number two. What's the logical conclusion here? At what point do we have to flip the switch? At what point will I have to admit, okay, things have changed. It's time for Mike Vrabel's seat to start getting really hot. For me, it is when he is doing less with more as a coach. Right now, you simply cannot argue that he is doing less with more because there's there's nothing that's more about this roster that he has right now. It is a less roster. Everything almost everywhere yeah. is less. So you could argue he was doing the expected amount with less. Maybe he's doing a little bit less with less, but it's less. There's nothing more about it. When we get to a point, maybe after this offseason, when Rand Carthen has $100 million of cash to throw around and they've got some draft picks to make, and they'll be able to better address the deficiencies on this roster. Maybe at that point, you bring in a T Higgins. You, you bring in a top tackle from the draft. You've got some real dudes, some real playmaking, game-breaking players on this team, and then things are going really poorly, and you can say, hang on, this is a coach who is doing less with more right now. Hey, this is Sean McDermott in this Buffalo Bills team that should be better than they are, and yet the fingers are starting to be pointed at him. I mean, he pulled his last fire OC to get out of jail free card today. The next time things go wrong in Buffalo, the fingers are going to be pointed at him. Like that's where he's at. That's where Mike Vrabel will be at. If he continues to do less as this roster, we're hoping and predicting gets better with Rand Carthen rebuilding things. So that's, that's where I think you have to draw the line of he's a good coach. In my opinion, a very good coach. A lot of people took issue with me calling him a proven coach. 
I'm I'm sorry. It's a, it's an undeniable fact. If you have a head coach who, if he were to be fired, would have his choice of a variety of suitors within 24 hours, that's a proven coach. Doesn't necessarily mean they're the best coach in the world. Doesn't necessarily mean they're the right coach for the situation they're in. But they are, in fact, proven. This is not Brandon Staley, who if the Chargers fired him, yeah. he would not be getting a head coaching job in the NFL somewhere. This is Mike Vrabel, who would have multiple opportunities and his pick of the litter this offseason if he were to get fired. And so that makes him proven. And that makes him a guy that I think you have to stick with. You have to give him a roster that he can mold and do something with. He's a good coach. He's not a miracle worker. And folks are naturally expecting him to work miracles because he set that bar really high for himself, right? This is a guy that until two seconds ago in his NFL coaching career was an outright winner, not against the spread, but outright winner as an underdog. Like that's what he's done is, is, is work miracles a lot of his career. He's not doing that all of a sudden, and folks are getting antsy about it. So yeah, I just I, feel like that's 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 what this team is is just lacking. Sorry, sorry, Jack. I th- like I just feel like it's um, it, it, you're not seeing the things that he ingrained in teams early on, where you go into every game as an underdog, but with the feeling that this team can win this game, and, winning on and, the road as just, well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Winning on the road. This team was like known for winning on the road and struggling at home. And now here it's flipped and it just, I don't, I almost feel like the, the, like his, his carriage is being turned back into a pumpkin in a sense. Like (laughs) I I do feel like he came out hot, obviously wanted to chop off his penis for a Super Bowl, gets Mm -hmm. all the way to the AFC championship. And now it's just, I, I don't know if, Maybe that maybe it's like the honeymoon phase has worn off for me, but I just feel like we're not getting results. And to me, a good head coach would be able to pull more from less. And he was that Rabel was that guy. He was able to, I mean, that 2019 team was not world beaters by any mean. Like they were not a, an incredibly talented group. Not on paper, but, no, yeah. Yeah. I mean, outside of Derrick Henry, uh, I mean, like, because think of my keep in mind, like that was like kind of like before A.J. Brown even broke out. Right. They were the definition of the team that got hot at the right time. And that works in sports. That's, right. You know, it right. works, But it doesn't make you a world beater. Yeah. And Johnny I just Smith feel was a key like, contributor there. Like, yeah, I, I, it's, just, one cheek, it's just different. One cheek, in. one cheek down. You're right. So, like, I mean, Titans fans have gone through a handful of coaches like Jeff Fisher, who. And I think a lot of Titans fans eyes doesn't get the proper credit he deserves with his reputation, but we won't go there. They, Mike Munchak, Mike Malarkey, Ken Wisenhunt, like they shuffled through a lot of coaches. They finally landed on Vrabel, who's a top 10 guy. I just go back and forth every week, Easton, on who I want to blame, because I feel like there is this certain bloodlust within the fan base. After such a bad season, somebody's <laughs> head must roll, right? Right. Somebody yeah. has to pay yeah. the, the, the ultimate price, not with their life, but maybe with their job. So, I I, I kind of go back and forth because Vrabel is a defensive head coach, but he holds this offense back just in the – like the, the fourth quarter decision to kick the field goal drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he will do every single time, right? That's not a one-off situation. He's going to play it that way every time because for some reason he doesn't want the ball in Will Levis's hands. I actually disagree with the football that. game. I disagree with that. I, I don't okay. think – I mean, I think, we're, I think we're being prisoners of the moment on that. This this was a guy who who was known for being kind of aggressive earlier on in his coaching career. And I struggle with this idea because on paper, a thousand percent agree, right? Like to kick the field goal there in terms of trying to win the game, you can't do it. It's a horrible decision. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. EV. You just, you simply cannot do that. Um, but at the same time, I 
1000% understand where he's coming from. We suck in the red zone. We can't do anything. We're just trying to get like he had no faith in them converting. And that that's not to say that the field goal actually does anything, but it's at least points. It's some it's some momentum. So again, I'm not excusing that decision. I'm just saying he's in a situation where he feels like it's a lose lose. Kick the field goal. You can't do it. You go for it. He has no faith in this team to get um, that first down. I will say this to get a little bit meta about this conversation and just look at it from like a, the way that people operate, the way that fans operate within the structure of the NFL and just like some fan base human geography here. When things are going wrong with an NFL team, fans are always going to initially point to one of three things in general, right? You're either pointing to the quarterback when you get scared and you, you're trying to find something like it's the quarterback's issue. I know it's the coach's issue. Actually, maybe no, it's the GM. It's one of those three. Like it's it's coach, GM, head coach. All right, co nice. Coach, GM, quarterback. Th mm. That's where the finger gets pointed initially when things are going poorly. You have to pick one. And typically when one thing's not going wrong, you then you work to the next and it's a cycle. We, you don't have a GM that you can point fingers at because you just, you did that, He's right? New. You, you, yeah. you asked the guy, you got a new guy in here. He's largely not done a lot. And what he has done has been a mixed bag, but it's been mostly positive. You, you can't point at the quarterback any longer because it's Will Levis. He's also new. He's also shown flashes. He's also a guy that no one's ready to give up on yet because you rightfully feel like you haven't seen him given much of a chance. So it has to be Vrabel, right? So it's it's not surprising in the least that that's where the finger is being pointed now. Over the past couple of years, you saw it pointed at the GM. He got axed. You saw it pointed at the quarterback. He got benched. It's, it's Vrabel's turn. So it is true that it's going to be him on the hot seat in terms of the narrative if and until they start turning things around. And he is next on the chopping block. Or again, you can do, pull the Sean McDermott, like you start firing coordinators to buy yourself some time. <laughs> yeah. But that only that's a, you know, that's a limited rope that you're given. So that's where things are at. Well, and and Vrabel, Vrabel has proven that he's never pulling that card. Vrabel sure. does is not sure. an in-season firer. That's the like, Todd Downing I mean, clause. Well, I'm, exactly. I'm curious like, if, he, last if he can be pushed to that point. It's like, can you... Can you get him there? Because I don't feel like his job's ever really been in jeopardy, like internally with him yet. Like if he were to get right. to that point where his he really does feel the heat, does suddenly his moral compass like, eh, actually, I'm going to have to let you go. Sorry, buddy. I, I'd be curious to see if we get to that point. And there well, may be a and, certain portion of our listeners who bring Tim Kelly into that conversation, right? Because you do go to the I coordinator. Hate this. Can we please talk yeah, about no, Tim no, Kelly? No, no. So, so here's the thing, though. Okay. I... I don't think it's Tim Kelly's fault that he does not have the personnel to win or to it's get not. extravagant. It's, like it's I, not. I, I don't think it's fair to blame him despite the offense being an unmitigated disaster. I think I just want this team to be coached like they have nothing to lose because they have nothing to lose. Yeah. I don't want them to play conservatively. I don't want them to play yeah. scared. Yeah. Sure, I, I, I want them to, to let it all hang. And I haven't seen that yet. Now that you're three and six and you're essentially – I mean, not mathematically, but essentially eliminated from the playoffs. Let them go play. Let, 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 let's play a little backyard football for a week and just see how it goes on offense. Let's throw it around the yard. Let's act like nothing matters. I mean, hell, the Texans have been doing it, and they've been winning football games. Yeah. it's that. I think that's what's frustrating is that, you know, it, it feels like this team is still being coached like Tannehill's the starting quarterback. Right. Where you're competing for a playoff spot or maybe one of those bottom wild card spots. But – Will Levis is not going to take this team to the playoffs because he's getting hit, you know, 10, 15 times a game. He doesn't have the receiver. It won't be to. his fault either. It's not, exactly. like, it's not up to like, him so, really. So we're trying to play the blame game, but really right. I don't want to use the word pass, but it feels like there are so many guys that just 
are exempt from that blame this season because either they're new or they have nothing to work with. Sure. I, I totally understand this, and I, I'm there. I sympathize with fans being upset that they're not being more aggressive, not being more YOLO ball out there. Yes. Um, a, a couple a couple of things to like be boring and be the the adult in this conversation a little bit, and it's like you you. I think most well, folks no, know I mean, this. We, we need. We in need an adult in this conversation. <laughs> again, we well, that's why you were that's why you were brought in, Easton. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and and again, part of me like is screaming at myself. No, don't. It's more fun to just be mad. I it. There are a couple of reasons that make this make sense. First of all, Tim Ke- like for folks that are pointing at Tim Kelly and being like he's just Todd Downing, he's not bringing it to the table. Man, you got to you got to learn ball. I'm begging you to learn ball. I'm begging you to watch the tape like this. The dude's doing the things he's putting the guys in the situation. Yeah. He's getting Shig on the goal line, sitting there so he can volleyball set it up and try to get an interception and D-Hop has to punch it out. He's getting Shig down the sideline in New Orleans and getting a wide open schemed look. He's like go game by game. There are schemed up looks. It's there to be done and they're not doing the thing. Tim Kelly's doing the thing. I promise he is. Yeah. Is he? Perfect? He's only. No. No, he's not. Nobody's like if, if you're looking for a perfect coordinator, I know 64 coordinator jobs that need filled right now. Um, th- th- it, 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 well, go ahead, Austin, but I have more on this. No, he, he's only Todd Downing when the team enters the red zone. It's sure, like uh, sure. it's like field of dreams, you know, like <laughs> once you cross over that gravel onto the dirt of the field. Right, th- right. You turn you turn youthful and young again. Uh-huh. That's what that's what happens is right when they cross that 20 yard line. Tim Kelly just like anamorphs into Todd Downing and we're like, no, where'd you come from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I will. I will say. I, again, he's not perfect. I have issues with some of, uh, again, it's a lot of the aggressiveness. It's the get creative thing. But I, I want to put this out there, play a little devil's advocate, but I really do believe this. So I guess it's not advocating the devil. It's advocating me. Uh, I, in terms of the red zone struggles, I put like 35% of that on Todd Downing and like 65% on the personnel. When you get in the red zone, it's hard, man. Everything gets really, really difficult. You look around the league this year, like the scoring is down for a reason. Defenses are kind of rising up. You got a lot of young and inexperienced quarterbacks and new offenses and all of these things. But folks are struggling in the red zone. The Titans, worst of all, right? Yeah. He is so second, second worst of all. He's second worst of all. That's this is second worst of all. The Jets are just they they're not letting (laughs) go of that man. Um it he is so hamstrung, he's so handcuffed in the red zone, personnel-wise, as to what he can do. Now, that does not mean that some of the play calls are too predictable, but like one in particular that I point to in this past game, folks got really upset, and I did too in the moment about you, you know, I forget, I think it was the first trip into the red zone, or no, second trip in the red zone. They they run they run a uh, their first down play doesn't doesn't produce anything then they go out there with a jumbo package you got Derrick Henry in, in an I formation it's very obvious what's about to happen everybody's like you got to get more creative than this you can't just you know you can't run the jumbo package out there and telegraph what you're going to do he doesn't have a choice guys you can't run he- like did you watch Henry in the first half of this game he couldn't get two steps in without max protection like. Something that I not to like pat myself too much on the back, but I came up with this yesterday and it's absolutely a bar like this is this is gold. I'm writing this down, putting it on my tombstone. Folks are wanting them to be more unpredictable. Unpredictability is a privilege of the talented. This team is not talented enough to be unpredictable in those ways. And with the creativity thing, I point to some of the things that Todd Downing did at the end of his tenure. This is it's always is two edges to this blade, right? When you're not being creative enough, the fans are going to call for you. You're being so mundane. You're being so predictable. You're not being creative enough. Got to get creative. 
when you get when you when you've got a bad squad and you try to get creative with them, you try to get unpredictable with them. The ch- it does it also does not work, and then the chance become quick getting cute. Back to fundamentals. What are you doing? You're trying to get right, too clever. Right. Like it's always you got a bad team. It's not going to work no matter what. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I just feel like struggles, I, I, real quick, Austin. The red zone struggles hurt because you have a tight end in Chickaconqua who everyone expected to take that next step this year. And, huge disappointment. Yeah, and he is second in the NFL in drops. And he's only got 27 catches. I know. So, I mean, he he's he's really hurt you more than he's helped you this year. Yeah. You can make a case for. Yes. And I, I do. I, I agree with everything you're saying. Like this, this, this personnel is not working. And this offensive line, I think, is the linchpin of it all. Like it is it the is offensive the, line. Yes, it is. It, it is. It is the Achilles heel of this team. And which is the absolute, in my opinion, the worst unit in all of football that you can uh, like that, that can be your worst. Like to me, it goes offensive line, defensive yeah. line. No, it's, it's and the then every other position. Right? Like it may be not the most yeah. important, but it's like, if anybody out there attended Bible school, it's like, it's the, it's the foolish man who built his house on the sand, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Built, oh, nice. If you, if, nice. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you little, I'm also a Bible scholar. I don't know why, why a sage Bible scholar. Um, if, if you build your, your team on a bad offensive line, your foundation doesn't exist. It, you, you can't do anything else. It's the Pandora's box that opens up the opportunity to be creative and cool and fun and score points. If you're not there, you're not there. Yeah. So let, well, let's stay with the I, offensive I feel line like, because well, the, the, yeah. the numbers have been atrocious, right? Let's just sure. run through them. Levis hit 32 times in three starts. He's been sacked 10 times. Uh, I believe the Titans' left tackle position alone has given up 14 sacks this year. Saw that. Um, That's true. You know, Levis, under pressure, he's a rookie. We have to continue to remember that. But under pressure against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he had miserable statistics. He was three for 15 for 40 yards with three turnover-worthy plays. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's, this is that's not... one area where where Tannehill excelled exactly. uh, under pressure. And, yeah. and Tannehill also has, you know, a decade more of experience than Levis. Sure, so that's it's important. hard to compare sure. the two, yeah. but it is important to remember where you came from, right? But of course, I, I here's just, a crazy I, number for you. Um, every quarterback ever has been worse under pressure. It's a crazy. I don't know what the trend is there exactly, but when you're under pressure, you know, things are harder. Yeah, I'm there. Look at there, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, what, what's the what's the fix? I, I like Levis said he's got to go through his reads quicker, but he we all know the problem is the offensive line and not Levis's you know ability to read the defense quickly sometimes he doesn't have a chance to go to his second option is the question so, what's the fix this season or just in general what's the fix because well, those are different answers you're that's like a good to point. piggyback to piggyback off of jack's question i feel like we're living in groundhog's day here this is <laughs> was it not just no joke a year yeah. ago yeah this time mm-hmm. uh week 11 when mm-hmm. we were all saying this offensive line is terrible and something needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So you fire your GM, you hire a new GM, you give your head coach again, guy, we already talked about more control in personnel decisions. And here we are a calendar year later. And this offensive line, you could argue is somehow even worse than what you had. And yeah, yeah. I like to me, I'm just really. like, at what point, like, do we stop saying, well, well, of course, Vrabel's not going to win any games because this offensive line is terrible. At what point do we say, well, this offensive line is terrible because of the head coach and the decisions he has made or 
you know, like to me, it's like it's unreal why this team does not. I don't know. Even bring in like pull up uh, practice squad guys more or try and find something that works. But there's just like it feels like there's this stubbornness of, well, this is what we have and we got to go with it. And it's almost like in a way like Vrabel has felt that, okay, well, last year, John Robinson can be my alibi or like my 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 excuse like he can be the reason that we're not performing and and then now that he's gone well oh well this offensive offensive line you know if i'm rolling out you know dylan radens out there or you know uh andre dillard these guys are not performing that's that i like what do you expect me to do my hands are tied right Mike what the guy i expect that says- you to do is to coach Mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel's the guy that says we've got McDonald's at home and you get home and you have one, like a half of a bun, mm-hmm. moldy cheese and mm-hmm. a potato instead of French fries with roots growing out of it. Like you don't have mm-hmm. McDonald's at home. So you've right. got to go out and make a decision. And Rand Carthon this season was put in a, he was put in a pretty tough spot because he didn't have a lot of money, yeah. but you had, you had to make a move at an important and high price position. And Andre Dillard was kind of the, I'm not going to say he's the best option out there, but it's all, it's the only option. There was the only, there's the only option. Yeah, I mean, his hands were tied. Yeah. So now, so, so I can't really blame Rand Carthon for not having the, you know, the budget to make all these moves. But at the same time, I, I am left feeling disappointed, underwhelmed, because the same problem continues to prop up every single week. And there seems to be no possible fix. Is there a possible fix this season, Easton? Uh, this season, no, it, not I mean, probably not. I, I'm not, I hate only Sith stealing absolutes, uh, but probably not. <laughs> um, okay. the answer, the answer is, is very simple. And there's a couple of metaphors here. The, an, the, the reason why people are struggling to find the answer is because nobody likes the answer because the answer kind of sucks. Um, but it's the, like one metaphor is the, the, the public asking this question is like the seven-year-old who has a fever and it's like, mommy, I don't feel good. Can I feel better? You can. But you have to take your medicine. Titans have to take their medicine. It's not you're going to hate it. It's going to be gross. It's not going to be fun. But that's how you that's how you do the thing. The 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 public and the the Titans in this scenario. Another metaphor is like they're the guy coming out of high school who is like, where are you going to college, man? I'm not I'm not going to school. Are you going to, in the workforce? Sort of like I'm going to you know, he's the guy that thinks he can get rich quick. It's like I'm going to get into drop shipping. Actually, there's this multi-level marketing corporation that I'm going to work <laughs> with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to get rich playing the stocks like. Trying to find the solution um, without do like anything but hard work, like trying to find a way to success without just doing the work. That's what the Titans are, are doing right now. Just got to go. You got to go do the, the hard. You got to find something and work hard at it. And, and so in the real world, all these metaphors are pointing towards you got to address this via the draft. It is there. It's it's so unsexy. It's not fun. I get it. But like. And it's so funny because there is not, this is another, I'm going to start and end our discussion here with things that are going in one ear and out the other of 99% of the people, because there simply is nothing you can do as a team or as a member of the media to convince the average fan that it's the sexy and correct move. I, I, you're seeing people this week, despite what we've seen with our own eyeballs for what, a year two now with this offensive line saying Whoa, I'm seeing people talking about drafting a lineman early this upcoming draft. Y'all are crazy. What is this, the 80s? Like, we're in a post-blocking universe. Like, I don't know what we're talking about here. <laughs> but but th- this is this is how you have to do it. D- they will never find it sexy, despite the fact that they have seen for the past two years how this team has been hamstrung in every way 
by their offensive line play. They have seen this team over the past couple of years try to address this offensive line via the open market and do nothing but waste money and assets to not get any better. They will not think it's sexy despite looking at, for example, the two most dominant offensive lines in the NFL right now. Nine of those 10 starters are homegrown draft prospects. It's the only way you do it. Now, folks are saying, well, John Robinson did it and he kept missing. Well, yeah, if you miss, like, you do it again. Like, that's an unfalsifiable un- <laughs> thesis. If you miss in the open market, you're going to suck. If you miss drafting, you're going to suck. You have to draft and also draft like well, which is hard, but that's the way that you have to do it. Worth noting, if the season ended today, the Titans have the number eight overall pick. You could probably find place to be. a tackle at eight. I'd say so. Well, I'd say so. and to answer your question, yes, the Titans actually are living in a post-blocking world. Uh, it's weird. Uh, it's not enjoyable to watch, but that's where they currently <laughs> are. Like you should live there. You shouldn't. It's a bet's the upside yeah. down. Don't go to the post-blocking universe. <laughs> Easton, we have three minutes before our Zoom runs out because we're cheap. But I <laughs> want to ask you this. Um, my uh, There's all these rumors right now. Belichick. Um already having a you know a, a head coaching job like the, his next destination is set and oh, i didn't see know, this. a lot of mur- okay. a lot of a lot of murmurs you know people are saying oh what if it's nashville what if they did that trade for brable and belichick straight up right. um your i guess i'll just ask you this like your do you put any stock into these rumors that Rabel look, he got pretty schmoozy with uh, Bobby Kraft there in new England during the bye week. And Orlovsky uh, reiterated, and- reiterated it today on the McAfee show. He, he said that like, yeah. there is, there is a place where, uh, you know, cause the Patriots, there's a sense of belief that he's not going to be there next year, but he still wants to coach. And there is supposedly a place out there that is already kind of being thrown around up there. And it just makes sense that Nashville is up there because they have we've we've got Rabel here. Mm-hmm. Belichick lives here in the off season. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just start kind of you know following the the trail of breadcrumbs, and it leads you back like a to swap Nashville. situation here. Like a little... Yeah, trade. Uh um, trade. I mean, because Vrabel would have to be traded because he is under contract. He would sure. have to be traded. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm leaves. talking about the bringing Belichick here. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't um, know. Jack put that on my you, radar today. I, I, so I wouldn't been... want. I wouldn't want Belichick. I think you need right. a younger guy. I think you need an offensive. I don't think guy. they would want him. I don't think any. That's a well, down. You want draft picks? Sure, sure. Want. I just, but like, I think, I think if they were like, I don't think the Titans are interested in trading Vrabel at all. But I, but I especially don't think they're interested in trading. Vrabel. Like, if they are going to trade him, they'd probably want to go somewhere anywhere other than Bill Belichick. Um, so right, like I get, right. I totally see, I see the dots you're connecting there and that's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just don't see them being interested in that. Um, I don't, as to whether or not I, I buy, like, I totally buy that Robert Kraft is interested in Mike Vrabel. That's like, if you had to typecast what Robert Kraft would be interested in, in a post Belichick <laughs> world, that's it. That is Mike Vrabel. Um, so I, I buy that he's interested. I also buy that Amy Adams Strunk isn't interested in that at all. Like, it would they would need to pay the king's ransom of all king's ransom. It would need to start at two two first round picks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I don't I don't I don't see that happening at least not anytime soon. Right. And if you're sure. looking to open a new stadium, you got to start thinking about the future. And no uh, kidding, Belichick yeah. is on borrowed Belichick's time. In the I past. Think. Yeah. Right. Um, the doorstep out there, man. He sure is. Oh. And nobody would know that more than a biblical scholar like you, Easton. It's absolutely. Uh, <laughs> look, Brie Larson's uh, MCU movies may uh, bomb at the box office, but 
Easton Freeze's movies always hit home runs. So thank you so much for joining us, my man. Guys, it was a pleasure. Happy to come on anytime. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Special thanks goes out to Easton Freeze for joining us. Uh, Jack, we got about three minutes here, and uh, it's Jaguars hate week. Um, Titans got a tough one. Look, you know, that, and I think that's what the frustrating thing for me was uh, with last week's loss was just how ahead of, like, this season is still ahead of the Titans. Like, with how bad it has been up front, the, if the Titans won on Sunday, they'd be four and five with all, five more division games ahead of them. There was still hope. I think that hope is almost minimalized right now. I mean, keep in mind the Jaguars did win the division last year, starting uh, two and six. But to me, it's it. I don't think anything's going to change with this team. Mike Vrabel has proven that nothing is going to change from week to week. It is going to be the same thing, but ex- and expecting different results. Uh, I I can't tell you how annoyed I am with hearing Jeffrey Simmons after every game say. We just need to find a way to make plays. What do you mean you need to find a way? It's week 10. No, excuse me. I don't want to misquote him. We we need to start making plays. We need to start making plays was his quote. Um, Jeffrey, it's week 10. You yeah, needed to start making plays in week one, okay? At, at I, I want to be careful. Jeffrey Simmons is probably the player who cares most about winning on this football team. Like, I he agree. Cries. I agree. I agree. But at some point it's not translating to the field. This team is like, I don't care how much these guys care about winning. They're not winning. I know Derrick Henry cares about winning, but they're not winning. Like, and it's, and it's at some point you have to call a spade a spade. And so I, they just that don't have said, the like, guys though. Like they're showing up to a they, gunfight with a wooden spoon. They don't have the guys, which is why I'm so frustrated because you still have five division games left. If they had even an ounce of the guys, if they had a, a <laughs> just one iota of guys, they, they'd be able to do it. Um, they'd be able to at least make a run here late in the year. But Jack, we got to get out of here. Uh, we got 60 seconds left. Um, I um, uh, follow ADZ Sports. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jack A. Gentry. Follow me at Austin Huff. Follow the podcast at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter. Send us some so titles. Need your so titles. Keep the so titles coming. And at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Jack, you got anything for the road? There's one thing that could save this season, Austin. It's beating the living hell out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This please, is our Super Bowl. Please. This is the Super this Bowl. Is. It's the only Super Bowl most of us Titans fans will probably ever see. Oh, uh, no, it can't be. I'm in a dark place, Jack. You can't blame me. We're all in a dark place. But you know what? At least we're in it together. It's two-tone dark. Two-tone dark. Anyway, all right. We love you. With all of that said, until next week. Tighten up. Tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans. They'll keep on fighting all the way.